Hello and welcome to Night In on Negotiation, the podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Knighton. My philosophy is that you cannot change the other person you negotiate with, but you can change how you negotiate with them to achieve better outcomes for you or your organization. This podcast series includes interviews, lectures, speeches, and webinars, and includes materials from all four of my books. For more information and free resources, please visit www.jnyden.com. Enjoy. Hey, Lawrence, let's talk about scoring. Oh, (laughs) joyous. Yeah. It's a tedious pain in the backside, but holy cow, do procurement and lines of businesses learn a lot by scoring different bidders for the same scope of work or technical specification. Absolutely. And and, and I, I think it's worth pointing out that in an RFP, everybody's compared against the same criteria versus in an RFS, you're typically being compared against how well you solve the problem. So if RFP, you're compared against all your competitors. In RFS, it's a little different. Right. So let's talk having about RFPs. That, yeah, having said that, um, the process isn't actually all that different. It, it's just what the metric is you're comparing against. So remember, we we start with a with a, a case for change, right? IOP calls it an outsourcing business plan. Different, it's the industry standard. Uh, different companies call it different things, but the point is, it's the why are we doing this? The why are we doing this informs making sure the the terms are tailored correctly. The statement of work matches the business requirements. The SLAs are tied to what the performance needs are, and so on and so forth. That same document in a, in a mature procurement organization also informs the evaluation criteria and weightings. So typically there, there's four areas. There's sort of the technical solution, which looks at the statement of work and the SLAs. There's the, the business proposition, which looks at the terms and conditions and risk profiles. There's the pricing or competitiveness. That's you know the actual pricing structure itself, P times Q, TCO, that sort of thing. And then there's competitive advantage, which is sort of you know innovation, speed to market, cultural fit, those kinds of things. But there'll be some kind of weighting typically for those. They, they can be pass-fail, right? Can be pass-fail strengths-weaknesses, can be raw score, can be weighted score. There's a lot of ways to do it. But typically, there's going to be a, a weighting for each of those things. So maybe it's, you know, making this up, 40% technical, 20% business, you know, 30% pricing, and 10% competitive advantage, right? That's all based on... What the what that outsourcing business plan or unmet business need is, so it's going to vary considerably, and it'll vary from ITO to BPO to KPO to you know every RFX within that because it's all on what we're trying to solve. Those evaluations will be done with a lot of diligence, especially if it's high dollar or high risk. It'd be a ton of diligence with a whole bunch of stakeholders. And then there's going to be a consensus recommendation that comes forward to whoever it is that actually makes the decision. So that consensus recommendation should have like procurement's perspective, yeah. you know, the, the business partner, meaning whoever we're buying this for is perspective, uh, other subject matter experts, you know, global trade controls, global privacy, um, information security, legal, whatever, right? Whatever those groups are. So that consensus recommendation will be based on the objective weightings and maybe some subjective things as well. So let's pretend for a moment, you know, you've got a scale of one to a hundred and you rack and stack, 
here's my weighted bid of, you know, this company got an 80, this one got a 72, this one got a 34. Well, clearly we're not going to go negotiate with a 34, right? Makes it easy. But what if you get, you know, 80, 81, 87, and, and you know, 78? Well, maybe there's a conversation, right? Because what we don't want to do is turn it into a math game. We want to use it to inform how differentiable are these supplier bids from each other and how well do they meet our unmet business need? After that conversation, we're going to not only decide who do we go and negotiate with, but also what the negotiation targets are, what the plan and approach is. You know, is somebody going to sort of sit by on standby while we negotiate with somebody else? Will we do a best and final? A lot of different ways that that can happen, but it's all based on that evaluation process, which typically includes scoring. <clears throat> okay, so let me pause you there. I, I want to tell our audience a really important story. So there was a situation where on technical scores, you know, imagine, you know, a 93.3 and a 93.5, right? So mm -hmm. nearly identical on the technical scores. But when it came to the commercial, not the pricing, but the T's and C's and compliance with the T's and C's, there was one company that had uh, a fairly low credit worthiness score from the credit risk department. Now, mm -hmm. in the whole weighting schemes of things, it just dropped the 93.5 technical score down just enough that everyone who thought technically that the number one supplier should be number one dropped them into a number two. But because of weighting, it was just from a 93.5 down to like a 90, right? Not, not mm -hmm. huge. However, here's the concern though. So the technical people are on the call and they're beside themselves. Why are they the number two? They should be the number one because they weren't looking at this from an enterprise risk position and the credit risk team as part of the finance team was looking at the enterprise risk. So even though the score didn't have a lot of weighting, it, it moved them from one to two, but I mean, still within the 90s, right? So they were still yep. very competitive in terms of moving to um, a bilateral negotiate or to, a, to dual negotiations. But what was interesting is how the procurement and the legal department then decided to do that. They said, okay, well, so the score doesn't kick them out. It doesn't drop them down to a 34, but we're really worried about their credit worthiness. Right. And what that would happen to our organization if we commit to them in this high risk, high value deal, high risk, and mm -hmm. something blows up economically, financially for them. We, like you said, how do you unroll that rollout? You can't. Right. So what we did then is we put in extra provisions in the pro forma contract. So we actually then came back as in as the buying organization and said, okay, well, to move to the, so this is all part of the gate process, right? We had to go to the executives in the gate review and say, we're now going to ask for these additional provisions mm -hmm. in the contract only for company B, the, you know, the 90%, not company a, and then we had to go forward and try to negotiate them. Now, where this meets for the those of the learners that are watching this meets up within the selection process to what you said. When we go in and then present the deals, we've got two deals now. Did we get what we said we were going to get from them when we decided to move someone with low credit worthiness forward? Right. And then we didn't. 
And so then that's how that last gate review holds everybody in that buying company honest, because if it had been for one or two technical people who had a great relationship with previous people from company B, they would have just awarded it, but it might've blown up because they have some, they're overextended in the market. Right. So I just wanted to, to take a moment and take all this sort of, you and I are technical nerds about how all this works, but actually like draw it out, like these things matter. So it, you think, oh, we've nailed it because we've got the technical solution. Not if you're not in a good credit worthy that, position. That's absolutely true. I've had numerous examples like that. And it's really why, you know, I always say it, it can't become a math game. But in addition to that, there that's that's a really powerful reason to have diversity, right? So I've got, you know, if I'm just making a technical decision, I'm gonna look at it through one lens. If I'm making just a financial decision, it's a different lens. Just a legal decision, right? That's why we bring those stakeholders to the table to have that informed discussion and make sure we're doing the right thing for the enterprise, right? Because the last thing we want to do is sign a great deal with somebody that that you know is going to turn around and go bankrupt three days later, and, and, and or whatever. And I'm just using your example. So, yeah. you know, that's that's really really common, and. One of the things that I like to do, different companies have a different uh, perspective on it. But one of the things I personally like to do is it's expensive and time consuming to bid on stuff. And if you lose, I want to give you a debrief um, to help you understand how to do better next time. I, I have done a debrief like that so that, hey, loved everything you did. And, and typically, we're not going to explain the score or, or too much detail. We're not really going to compare you to others because that's all proprietary information, right? But I had to have the conversation about, hey, um, there were serious concerns about your creditworthiness. And, you know, that's something that you, you really need to, to help for somebody of our size and scope. You, you really need to, to make some change. And it was really hard for him to hear. Right. Because that's the kind of thing. It's like, well, you know, part of the reason our, our credit worthiness isn't great because we're not winning these big awards. Like, well, maybe you need to go for more of a smaller market for a bit, build up your portfolio, demonstrate how effective you can be and then go after the big companies. Because at the time I was working for a, a Fortune 30 sized company, you know, massive. Right. And, and very uh, challenging to do business with. And you had to make a lot of investments and have that capital to be able to do all the things that were necessary in the contract. Whereas if it was a smaller kind of a deal, I wouldn't have been so concerned about that, right? So that's something to think about, not just in terms of understanding how to win, but also in terms of understanding even who you might bid for, right? Mm -hmm. Because you wanna make sure upfront before you spend all the time and energy to, to apply to go be somebody's supplier, that you know that you can actually pull it off. Okay, great. Let's wrap it up there. All right. Thank you very much. And I'm going to stop the recording.